I don't know about you, but I grew up occasionally singing Amazing Grace. We weren't really uh, churchgoers. We went, you know, from time to time, but not regularly. But it was a song I was somewhat familiar with. Uh, I, I either was singing it or I heard it sung on uh, occasions at certain, I don't know, on TV shows or carols or all sorts of things that would pop up, someone with a bag, set of bagpipes playing uh, Amazing Grace. And uh, In fact, as I told you before, uh, I th- always thought growing up that Amazing Grace was a song about a famous Scottish lady, um, that her name must have been Grace, and for whatever reason, she was amazing. This, this, no lie, this is what I thought, literally, growing up as a kid. I concluded that she must have done something incredible historically and so they'd written this song about her and one day I'll find out what it was that she did that warranted such a song to be written about her. Well, how things have changed for me (laughs) and how thankful I am that they have. Uh, But that little story of mine indicates one of the reasons why we're doing this series, Truths That Transform, because we may be familiar with particular words, and yet not really know what they mean. And for lots of things, that might not matter much. mightn't be that important. There's not much at stake, perhaps. However, when it comes to God and the truths about him, there couldn't be more at stake. Uh, We must never assume that we've grasped the truths about him just because we can say them. Nothing could be more important for us, more vital in our lives than for us to know deeply these truths that we're looking at in this series and for them to actually land in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. And today we're looking at grace, which I would venture to say is perhaps the one we are, out of all of them that we are most in danger of assuming without really knowing. So let's read God's word together. As we've seen over the last few weeks, his revelation to us, his authoritative and sufficient word to us, and we'll pray and ask God to be our teacher by the Holy Spirit. So two readings for us uh, this morning, Hebrews 1, 1 to 4 is the first one. It'll come up on the screen for you. We've looked at this a couple of times over the last couple of weeks. Here it is, Hebrews 1, 1 to 4. Long ago, And at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He, that is Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God, And the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And then, of course, looking at grace, you probably can't go past this next passage, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 10. 
Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 10, Paul writes to the Ephesian Christians and he says to them, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Please join me as we pray. Father, we just want to pause. Thank you so much for your word that you've given us, that we can look into and dive into together with the help of your Holy Spirit, and that we can discover more deeply perhaps things we already know or perhaps things we haven't really known at all about you and about ourselves. And today we're looking at this subject of grace, Lord, and we ask, Lord, as it's really from the beginning of scriptures of the Scriptures to the end, it's all over the place, that you would teach us, that you would help us to see what grace means and how it lands and the beauty of it, the power of it, how good it is. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I thought we should start by asking the question, what is grace? What is grace? And there's all sorts of ways you could probably answer that question, but here's a definition that I think is pretty helpful that we're going to kind of track right through with this morning. Grace is the undeserved blessing or favour of God freely poured out on us by God. Grace is the undeserved blessing or favour of God, freely poured out on us by God. Now I want to break that down just a little bit. Uh, Again, not just skim straight over it. Firstly, notice it's undeserved. It's undeserved. It's got nothing to do with performance and reward. That is how life generally works, right? We perform, we get a reward. We work, we get a pay. We do something good, someone gives something good back to us. Performance, we do an assignment, we get a mark. We, uh, you know, everything is performance and reward. But grace is not. It doesn't operate in that realm. It's unearned, it's unmerited, and it's not based on anything in us. It's undeserved. Secondly, it's the blessing or favour of God, which has to do with his kindness or his life-giving and life-sustaining provision. 
When God pours out his blessing on you, you receive life, uh, perhaps from initially and then in an ongoing way. It's from God. It comes from him, the maker of heaven and earth. And it's freely poured out. Notice it's abundant. It's generous. It's lavish. And it's free. Freely poured out on us and poured out us by him. God does it. God showers us with it. It is his grace and his favour poured out by him. It is the undeserved blessing or favour of God poured out on us by God. Now that goes some way to defining the biblical truth we call grace. But notice, friends, as we think about that definition... The interesting thing we discover is this. If we look around a little bit, grace is actually everywhere. Grace is actually everywhere. It's prolific. No matter what you do or where you look, it's right there in front of you and it's all around you. The undeserved blessing or favour of God freely poured out on us by God is everywhere. And so this morning we're going to look at two, we're going to look at this from two vantage points, from the vantage point of creation and the vantage point of salvation. So the first thing I want us to think about this morning is this. We exist by grace alone. We exist by grace alone. If you've got your Bible there, have a look at that uh, Hebrews passage again, or I think I've got it up here on the screen. Notice what it says. Long ago, at many times, God spoke in all sorts of ways, but he's spoken in, in these last days by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the... And there it is again. He upholds the universe... By the word of his power. Notice what we see here, friends. What we see here is that God created all things through his son, that he is the heir of all things, and that Jesus sustains everything or upholds everything by the word of his power. John, in his gospel, says this about him. He says that everything that became, became through Jesus. Everything that exists Or to put it another way, everything that has life and breath has it through him. That, I think, includes us. Through Jesus, who was God and who was in the beginning with God, we have our very existence. And we couldn't have earned it because we didn't exist before that. It wasn't because of anything particular in us, because we didn't exist, although God could see what he would make. And it certainly wasn't because of a lack in God. You know, poor old God was up there in heaven feeling lonely. So he created some people because he didn't want to be lonely anymore. No, God was perfectly uh, harmoniously in a relationship of love within himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He wasn't lacking a thing, but out of his abundance... He created all things and he made us in his image as we saw last week. He 
created us, he gave us life, he gave us our very existence and it was by grace. It was the undeserved blessing or favour of God freely poured out on us by God. We exist by grace alone and that applies to all people everywhere and it applies to everything we know and experience Every day. Peter, when he's talking to husbands and wives, he talks about them sharing in the grace of life. That's what we have here. Grace, friends, is everywhere. It's prolific. No matter what you do or where you look, it's right in front of you. It's all around you. The very last verse of Psalms puts it this way. Psalm 50 verse 6 says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What's the point? Where did you get your breath from? Where did you get your breath from? How on earth are you sitting there breathing? It's because of the grace of God. You're receiving it right now as you experience life. In this very moment, you are receiving This grace. So because you have this breath from God, why don't you praise him with it? That's the the exhortation of the psalm, right? Everything that has breath, praise the one who gave it to them. You got it from God. You got it freely. You got it graciously. You got it generously. He just didn't, didn't give you enough breath for a couple of days. You got it abundantly. This is not just grace in the past, though. It's also grace in the present. Have a look again at Hebrews 1, 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Present tense. Not only is our initial existence by grace alone, but our ongoing existence is by grace as well. And this is where grace starts to get a little bit starker, don't you think? More surprising, more stunning. Think about it for a minute. What kind of world is Jesus sustaining by the word of his power? Is it a world that loves him? Is it a world that honours him? Is it a world that takes the breath given by him and praises him with it? The answer is largely no. Quite the opposite, in fact. Everything that has has breath hasn't praised the Lord. More often than not, everything that has breath has blasphemed the Lord. We saw it last week, didn't we? The idolatry of sin and the hostility of sin and the slavery of sin. But what do we see here? Jesus continues to sustain us as sinners even though we're deserving of death. 
and judgment. What does Romans 6.23 say? For the wages of sin is death. If you want to talk about us earning something, it's certainly not grace. It's actually death and judgment. What is grace? Undeserved blessing or favour from God freely poured out on us by God. That's happening right now. Uh, Jesus puts it this way in Matthew's Gospel. He says, You have heard it said, You shall love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. In other words, so that you may be like your Father and reflect his likeness. Well, what is he like? Well, he makes his Son rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. What is God doing? He's sustaining the universe by the word of his power, sending his rain, causing his sun to rise, day in, day out, day in, day out. It's clear, isn't it? Our existence is in the first place by grace alone, that is, we have breath, And secondly, and even more so, our ongoing existence is by grace alone because we haven't done what we ought to have done with that breath. We exist by grace alone. As you sit here this morning, if you put your hand on your chest, you'll feel your heart pumping. Maybe if you you look down and watch your chest, you'll see your lungs, or at least the effect of your lungs inhaling and exhaling. This morning you will smell, taste perhaps if you have a coffee after church. See, hear. What's the other one? Touch. Right? All of that is because God is sustaining you. We exist by grace alone. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Sounds great, but that's not what's happened. We've taken the breath we've been given by God and we've dishonoured him with it. Rather than enjoy him, glorify him, worship him and give thanks to him again and again, we have replaced him with something else or someone else. And so this leads us to the second thing we want to see about grace today. We are saved by grace alone. We are saved by grace alone. So that's <laughs> Ephesians 2, 1 to 10, and we're just, going to, we're just going to settle in there for a while, so you might want to have that open. As we saw last week, our sin has landed us in a terrible place before God. And in Ephesians 2, we see Paul unpacking Uh, that for the Ephesian Christians. Ephesians 2, 1 to 3, he says this, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, 
like the rest of mankind. Paul says that without the grace of God in Jesus, we are dead in sin, which means what? What are people who are dead like? Well, they're unresponsive. They're unresponsive. And so we are unresponsive in our sin to God in terms of an appropriate response to him. And because we're dead in our sin, we're actually unable to respond appropriately because of the effects of sin on our lives. And because of that and the hostility in our fallenness, we are unwilling to respond to God appropriately and give him the glory that's due to his name. That's where we are without the grace of God in Christ. Paul goes on to say this is actually how we walked. And walk has this idea of direction or trajectory. This is how our lives were going. How were they going? Well, following the course of this world, Paul says. Focused on what this world values, which by and large are contrary to what God values. So anti-God, we were following the course of this world, but it gets worse. What does he go on to say? Following the prince of the power of the air. Satan himself. We were dead in our sin. We were following the course of this world and we were following Satan. That's what it says. Not only that, but we were driven internally by our own passions and lusts and desires, enslaved to every hunger and longing. By nature fallen and hostile to God and so facing the just judgment of God. That's not a pretty picture, is it? I'd much rather get up and say something, you know, brighter and more, you know, less maybe dark and stormy. Not a pretty picture, it's drastic. It's devastating and in fact it's frightening. This is where our sins have landed us. And I think it's clear. We're not going to free ourselves from this by ourselves. But look at verse 4 to 9. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith. What do you see here? Something has changed everything, right? Something's changed everything. What is it? It is the undeserved blessing or favour from God or of God poured out on us by God. Notice it's not what notice it's what God has done and not what we have done. Verse 4 
at the very beginning. What's made the difference? God has. But God, he did it. God in his grace took the initiative in saving us. And notice why God has done that. Do you see it? Second half of verse 4. Why did he do it? Why didn't he just pour out his just judgment on us? Because of the great love with which he loved us. And do notice again how unlovable, how unlovable we were when he did it. Even when we were dead in our trespasses. And notice what he did. Because of his love and because of his grace, what did he do? He made us alive. He made us alive. He gave us spiritual resurrection in Jesus. We were dead. He's made us alive. More than that, he's seated us with Christ in the heavenly places. Get this. He's going to let us share in the place of honour with Jesus himself. And he will display his grace in us. Look at verse 7. So that in the coming ages, that is when all is said and done, when time is wrapped up and eternity kicks in, He's going to do something. He's going to show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ. It's going to be on display for all to see. Notice no longer objects of wrath, but objects of grace. Undeserved blessing. For favour from God, freely poured out on us by God through Jesus. Now, I don't know whether you've noticed, but there's been a little bit of fuss happening around the place um, in the last couple of weeks about a particular trophy, particular premiership cup. Probably the fuss will continue for about another two weeks, and then it will all die down. This cup will end up on show in a cabinet somewhere in the winning team's club rooms. Our friends, do you notice what is going to be put on show in the coming ages for eternity? You see what he will put on display when all is said and done? He's going to put you on display. And what he's done for you. We will be a testament, a display, a trophy cabinet, if you like, of the grace of God. For myriads of angels to stand back and observe. This is grace. And as John Newton rightly said, this is amazing grace. Death to life. 
unresponsive to adoring. I don't know how many of you have read uh, much of your Old Testament or particularly the prophets, but I want to encourage you in light of today to go and read the book of Hosea. Maybe you know the story. Hosea and his wife, Goma. Hosea and his wife, Goma, were to be a living parable of God's relationship between himself and Israel. Goma is an unfaithful wife, leaving him for other men, not just one, a number. Men who are actually abusive, men who don't care for her, men who use her and then discard her. Hosea loves her and continues to provide for her even while she is with others, he comes along and makes sure that there's enough for her to be cared for, even while she's in those other relationships. Eventually, all her lovers have had enough of her. They are finished with her. And her most recent puts her up for sale in the local market as a slave. And there she is in the market in all her nakedness and shame. Everyone knows about Goma. Everyone knows about Hosea, her husband, and the shame that she has brought him. No one wants her for a slave even. And then all of a sudden people notice someone in the distance coming into town. And as they look closer, people start to whisper, Is that Hosea? That looks like Hosea. Is that Hosea? And it is. He enters the market slowly, but deliberately. And he makes his way to where Gomer is. All eyes are on him. What are you going to do? Is he going to add to her shame? Is he going to call her out publicly for everything she's done? He quietly counts out the purchase price and buys her and takes her home. That's grace. That's grace. And remember, Hosea and Goma are living parable of God's relationship with Israel. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even while we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. We exist by grace alone. We are saved by grace alone. Grace is not an impressive Scottish lady, just in case you weren't sure. It is the undeserved blessing favour of God 
freely poured out on us by him and most clearly in the person of Jesus. Can I ask you this morning as we are in this series, Truths That Transform, has grace landed for you by the power of the Holy Spirit? Is it a truth that is transforming you as you follow Jesus? Does it deepen your love for God and your worship of him? Does it open up a fresh door of opportunity for you who has breath to praise the Lord, though perhaps you often didn't? I wonder, is grace transforming the way we think about ourselves? Ephesians 2 says, By grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, so that no one should boast. I wonder, is grace producing humility in me? Or am I still given to creating us and thems and elevating myself above other people in all sorts of different ways so I can feel superior? Or is there a humility that's produced because this grace has landed and there's no way I can think too highly of myself? Or at least it keeps it in check. I wonder, is grace changing the way you think about others? Grace receivers will be grace extenders. Are you quick to draw the line and say, enough's enough, that person did that, finished? Or as one who has received grace and continues to receive grace, does that empower you to extend grace? Now, don't hear me wrong. There are certain things that people may do that are too big just for the love covers a multitude of sins and I'm just going to extend grace and let that go. There are some things that have to be dealt with because they're of of that nature. But nevertheless, is there a gracious disposition about us because of the grace we've received. I wonder is grace, for those of you who are parents, no matter what age, is grace shaping the way you parent your children? How would you know? Well, here's a question for you. Are you modelling to them how much you need it yourself so that they might see how much they need it too? Or are you presenting before them a Christian life that is just about being perfect and having it all together all the time, every day, so that they go, I could never be like that? Or do they know you're a sinner? Well, they do, even if you haven't told them they do. (laughs) But do they know you're a sinner because you've told them and they know you love Jesus because he's your saviour? 
Is grace what you walk in now, allowing it to set the trajectory of your life rather than walking in the course of this world and just completely engaged with and captivated by everything the world has and offers and holds out? See, Ephesians 2 says, 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. So grace clearly changes the trajectory, changes the direction, changes what we live for, changes what we value, changes what we focus on. What is grace? It is the undeserved blessing or favour of God freely poured out on us by God. We've thought today not just about salvation by grace, but just also about our existence. Take a breath. How's that feel? Pretty good, right? There's the grace of God right there. And then look at the cross, which we'll do in a minute. And see it at a whole different level there. Let's pray and respond to the grace of God by bowing our heads and speaking to him. Father, we, um, yeah, we just want to pause and, and stop. Lord, our minds are often busy and frantic and we just need to sometimes sit still, think about your goodness and who you are, Thank you even for those five senses of touching and tasting and smelling and hearing and seeing. What amazing things they are. So quick to take them for granted. And yet they are one of the good gifts that comes down from you, the Father of lights. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the grace of life. We thank you even more for the grace of salvation in Jesus. We thank you so much, Lord, that even while we were dead, you have made us alive together with Christ through him. You sent him. Lord, you showed your love for us that while we were still sinners, he died for us, not because we did anything, not because we kind of got focused or sharpened our thoughts or somehow pulled up our bootstraps but because of your grace because of the great love with which you have loved us Father please help us to repent and to believe take the breath that you've given us and to use it for the purpose for which you gave it. This in Jesus' name. Amen.